Welcome to South Florida Sunday. I'm Karen Curtis, News Talk 850, WFTL's News Director. So what happens if, God forbid, your child goes missing? What exactly should you do? And there's some major changes since Christy Luna went missing 35 years ago. You've got the Amber Alerts. I don't think they put kids' uh, faces on milk cartons anymore. But there's also the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which has a Florida regional office in Palm Beach Gardens. And I'm joined now by Nick Mick Director Callahan Walsh, younger brother to Adam Walsh. You live here in Florida. And who better to talk to about missing and exploited children than you? Sure. So as many of your listeners may remember, my brother Adam uh, Walsh went missing in 1981 here in South Florida and was later found uh, murdered. And my parents, John Revae Walsh, went on to co-found the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. My father also went on to host America's Most Wanted for 25 years. And in fact, I co-host his new show, In Pursuit, with John Walsh on Investigation Discovery. We're just about to shoot season three. But my parents, after Adam's disappearance, realized there was very little support for missing children. And there was very little protocol training. There was no national response to missing children issues here in the United States. And local law enforcement was basically inept at, at dealing with missing children's cases. And there was no organization for them to go to. There was no place that they could get help and the resources that they so needed. So they created the National Center, which was actually first called the Adam Walsh Resource Center, but now called the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. You may also hear the acronym, as you stated, NCMEC, or even NCMEC, as we sort of call it. NCMEC. Yeah. (laughs) And um, and so the, the organization serves as a clearinghouse for missing and exploited children's issues. We've helped recover over 350,000 missing children oh. since our inception. We uh, we have case managers that are assigned to every case that we intake at here at, at our organization that work lo- with local law enforcement, with national law enforcement, and really add value to the cases, work with the families as well to try to recover those children as, as quick as possible, whether that's through a poster distribution, Amber Alerts, as you mentioned, which we run the, the distribution of Amber Alerts through our, our call center. In fact, the 24-hour call center for the National Center, even though we're headquartered just outside Washington, D.C., our 24-hour call center is located here at the Florida branch office. That's our front line. That's where we take in calls from family, from law enforcement, even victims themselves. And the number to call is 1-800-THE-LOST, right? That's correct. But we also have the other side of the house, which is the exploited side. And our Exploited Children's Division deals with the exploitation of children that mostly happens online. We operate the cyber tip line, which takes in reports of suspected child sexual abuse. That tip line received over 21.7 million reports last year alone. Oh, my gosh. So, Cal Walsh, you're the younger brother of Adam Walsh. Did you know him? I was not born okay. uh, yet. Um, Adam was six years old when he disappeared, <clears throat> when he was abducted, and I was born a few years later. Adam would have been 10 years older than me. So a brother that uh, I never met, but a brother I always knew about. You know, We celebrated Adam's life. Uh, I knew his favorite movies and sports, which is Star Wars and baseball. We celebrated his birthday, and I grew up in a family that said we need to make sure Adam didn't die in vain, and if his song is to continue, then we must do the singing. Well, and hats off to your dad. I met your mom, Rave. I actually had an art show that benefited the Adam Walsh Foundation way back in the early 90s, and I got oh, to wow. meet her. It was so lovely. Um, oh, that's fantastic. It really was. But going back to your brother, 
67% of attempted abductions involve a suspect driving a vehicle, and your brother was taken from a mall in Hollywood, Florida, obviously by somebody in a vehicle. So tell me a little bit about how things have changed for parents of missing children like your dad, John Walsh, from when Adam went missing to now. What right. are the, what's you know, the procedure? Well, the, the first thing that anybody should do if they believe that their their child has been abducted or has gone missing, because children go missing all sorts of yeah, different like you're, ways. Yeah, like they're right? there one minute, they're gone the next. Exactly. <laughs> in the store. And, and, it can, and, and it can be a stranger abduction. It could be a family friend. It could be a relative. Um, you know, there, there's or the child could, could, could run away. You know, there's many different ways children go missing. But any time that a parent or a guardian suspects that a, a child has gone missing, whether it's an abduction or what have you, you need to call law enforcement immediately. Call 911 right away. Make sure they know the situation and contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. We have some incredible resources and incredible abilities, including uh, Team Adam, which is uh, deployed on site. It's a group of former law enforcement professionals that are deployed on site to help local law enforcement um, gather volunteers and do grid searches, landfill searches, poster distribution, uh, and linking that local, those local authorities up with the national resources uh, that we have at our organization. So parents should always call 911 right away. What about homework that parents can do ahead of time? God forbid their child is taken. At least have an updated picture of your child. Right. At best, have a child ID kit. And that card that has an image of the child, but also their descriptive information, because it can sometimes be difficult for a parent to rattle off exactly how tall the child is, what they're wearing, all this and that in the heat of the moment. They're going through the most frantic moment of their life, most frantic experience of their life. And it can be difficult for them to recount exactly, like I said, how tall their child is, possibly what they're wearing. And having a child ID card can really help the parent with that. Is that part of help ID me? That's actually for when we have unidentified remains. Uh, okay. help However, um, parents can go to our website, missingkids.org, and we have downloadable child ID kits there. Uh, they can also download our app called Safety Central, and that way you can have a digital child ID kit right on your phone. That information is not shared with any third parties, and that way you have it right there, and you can send that to your local law enforcement in a PDF at the touch of a button. Yeah, you don't have to go consult the door jam to see how tall your kid is because you, exactly. you don't. Uh, also, and we're speaking with Cal Walsh, the brother of Adam Walsh and son to John Walsh, about Nick Mick, mm-hmm. and in case, God forbid, your child should go missing. A couple of things, though, that you brought up. Immediately, you should call law enforcement, but you should also check around the house, like in the closets, piles of laundry under the bed. Make sure your child isn't hasn't crawled in somewhere. Sure, absolutely. You know, parents should do everything they can to search locally, you know, where the last place that they saw their child. And if they're in a store, they should contact and, and talk to the uh, the employees there as well. You know, there's a program that we run at the National Center called Code Adam, named after my brother. Uh, and it's a set of protocols that uh, store employees enact when a child goes missing at a place of business. It's widely used across the country. It's a great tool to recover missing children quickly. And many stores have it. Go up to one of these employees, tell them you've lost your child. And oftentimes if they use the Code Adam program, they will know exactly what to do. They oh. will step in and they will help recover your child. You know, we see the Code Adams you know, all the time at our retail participants. And they find the child usually within 10 minutes. It's a great program for stores to enact. If there's any business owners out there listening to this podcast, sign up for the Code Adam program at missingkids.org. It's a free program, just like all the other resources that we have at the National Center. It's, it's free to use. 
sign up and, and start using code out in your store today. So unlike when Adam went missing, there's security cameras everywhere, everywhere there's a camera and also there's DNA. Now, do you have a way of swabbing a child's mouth to get DNA so that there can be a match? God forbid a body is found. And what about the security camera availability? Absolutely. There are kits out there. The National Center does not provide them, but there are organizations out there that do provide DNA kits. You can swab your child's cheek and store that. That's a, another great uh, tool to have. And as you mentioned, security cameras are ubiquitous these days. Unfortunately, they're not all of the same caliber. Some are nice and high def, others not so great. But as technology advances and we can start applying AI and machine learning to these security surveillance systems, we can oftentimes use facial recognition or other sort of services and really put those technologies to use. It's really a great way, an example of using technology to keep children safe. And just to keep your child safe, you know, don't have a refrigerator that's locking anywhere near where a child could get into it. Also, your vehicle, keep it locked because sometimes kids get in vehicles and they can't get out and it's really hot here in South Florida. So those are some places where they crawl and hide. Absolutely. And that's a huge problem here in Florida. As you know, it gets so, so hot. You know, even throughout the year, even in, in winter, we can, we can have those hot days and it just takes a matter of moments for those cars to heat up. And, uh, you know, a young child stuck in a car or something of that nature here in South Florida is, is a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. Also, Cal Walsh, let's talk about Amber Alerts. And the Amber Alert is an acronym for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response, but it was created as a legacy to nine-year-old Amber Hagerman. She was kidnapped while riding her bicycle in Arlington, Texas, and brutally murdered. Other states and communities soon set up their own Amber Alerts. I know I get them on my phone all the time. They interrupt your TV program. It must be very beneficial to law enforcement. Contacting any authorities and any source that you can. Even contacting the media is a huge, huge thing for, for missing children's cases. We work regularly with the media, and of course, we have our own social media handles that we use for our missing children's cases, but any attention that a parent can get on their child's case could really be the difference between whether they see their child again, and the media is a great partner. You know, all it takes is getting an image out there to the public, and that's what the media can do so well. They've got so many eyeballs on their content. I know you mentioned you know, milk cartons in the past, how we used to do it back in the day. But harnessing the power of the media and social media, uh, we can get even more eyeballs on on these images. And that's really all it takes. It just takes that one person to spot that child, recognize that they're a missing child and do the right thing. And they're the reason they've been reunited. That child's been reunited with their family. And, you know, we say it all the time, the most important tool when it comes to the recovery of a missing child is a photo of that child. And that's why it's so important for parents to have updated and accurate pictures of their kids. Now, sometimes young kids can be taken by family members and custody disputes, but the worst feeling must be for a parent if the child is taken by a stranger, as was the case with Adam, and that not knowing, that not knowing has to be all-consuming. That's what my parents always said, that it was the not knowing that was the hardest part. And you're absolutely right. A, a stranger abduction is, is the, the scariest situation, the scariest scenario for any parent. But we do see a lot of non-custodial parental abductions as well. And, you know, I see some bias oftentimes in the public with these cases. And they'll say, oh, well, you know, the, the kids with one of their parents, what's the big deal? Well, uh-huh. there's a reason that parent didn't have custody of that child in the first place. Okay, and it's oftentimes that parent is taking that child out of spite of the other parent, not out of love for that child. And a life on the run 
for that child is not the life that the child should be living. There was a woman who took her two kids and stabbed them because she didn't want her husband to have them. We've seen that as well, too. And and according to the State Department, uh, two-thirds of of children who are abducted by a non-custodial parental figure suffer some form of serious mental, physical, or sexual abuse. It's not a good place for these children to be. But they're just as important as any other missing child case. Very good point. And age, you know, there's a whole range because I've done a podcast on Tiffany Sessions. She's still missing. She was a mm-hmm. student in uh, Gainesville at uh, yep. University of Florida. She went missing. And then Sabrina Ainsberg, are you familiar with her case? She went missing uh-huh. in 97. Absolutely. And that's the reason that we actually were able to up our age limit. The National Center, we were traditionally working on cases of children 18 and under. But it was these college situations where college-age kids were going missing where we knew we needed to step in. And so we called the, the cases that we intake of with a child is over 18 or under 21 is called a Section 5779. That's just because that's the legislature that allowed us to work on those cases. But we did it because of cases just like those two that you mentioned. There's a reason that we're able to assist in these types of situations. My number one downloaded podcast is for Christy Luna, who's still missing. And they just got some information and dug up some bones. They thought she was buried somewhere in the area near the house. She went 400 yards to a store and went missing. And it can happen just like that. My mother turned around and Adam vanished just like that as well. And, you know, the Christy Luna case, we are desperate for answers. You know, that's a case that's really touched the Palm Beach branch office. You know, we, we've worked closely with uh, Christy's mother. It's such a sad case. We want nothing but a positive resolution for her family. And that's why we, we keep pushing. We hold out hope. You know, we will never stop searching for any of our missing children's cases. We have cases that the children are now not children anymore. They're in their 60s and 70s. And we still continue looking for those individuals. We do age progressions with our forensic team of any child that's been missing more than two years. Those age progressions, as as many of your listeners know, is how we sort of age up these images of of children and make sure that we're putting out an image that looks like what they would look like today. So after a child's been missing for more than two years, we start doing age progressions. And then we do them every two years until a child turns 18. And then we start doing them every five years after that, only because you don't change as as much as we get older. And so we continue to do the age progressions of our missing children's cases until law enforcement or the family tells us to stop. That's unbelievable. And also, and we're speaking with Cal Walsh, the younger brother of Adam Walsh, who went missing and was actually found murdered here in South Florida. That had to be some closure for your parents when they did find some of Adam's remains. I mean, I know the best outcome is that the child is returned to you, but at least to have, like with Christy Luna, the mom would like to be able to put her child to rest. Did that help your parents when they finally found Adam? It did help. And closure wouldn't really be the word that we would use. Nothing really does provide closure. But what it does provide is answers. And answers can help you understand the situation. And answers can help end certain chapters. Those you know, we don't use the word closure because nothing will bring your loved one back. Right. And and you will constantly have that broken heart. And and our family sort of calls it like, it, it's like a scar, it's like a scab you have uh, over your heart where over time that scab might dry up, it might stop bleeding, but it'll crack open again and mm-hmm. it'll start bleeding around the holidays, little things that make you remember. But it was my family that took it upon themselves to, to make change. And I've I really realized over the years that 
oftentimes out of tragedy comes meaningful change. And out of, out of the tragedy of my brother's abduction, we created the National Center for Missing Exploited Children, an organization that, as mentioned, has helped recover over 350,000 missing oh. kids. So I think from my father going out and capturing the bad guys on America's Most Wanted and my mother and my father starting the National Center and the recoveries that we're able to get, I think that's what fills in that hole in, that was left in their heart from Adam's disappearance little by little. When we get the recoveries, when we take a bad guy off the street, you know, that's, it's better than hitting a home run. Really it is. It, oh, it must be so fulfilling for you. And again, it's missingkids.org or you can call 1-800-THE-LOST if you think your child is missing. Gosh, it's the, with the worst feeling possible. It's like a piece of your heart is missing when that happens. Oh, I mean, it has to be so upsetting. Let's shift gears a little bit to the exploited because, you know, we've got a lot of children coming over the border. And I, my heart went out to that 10-year-old from Nicaragua who was crying, got separated from his mom because they were kidnapped. And then his yeah. uncle here in Miami paid his ransom and couldn't afford to pay for the mom, but it could only pay for him. But these kids are being exploited. What, God forbid, do you do if you find out that there's a picture of your child floating around on the Internet that could be explicit? Well, you know, the National Center actually has some great resources to help uh, parents and their children if a sexually explicit image were to get out there. At missingkids.org slash get help now, we're able to intake those cases and actually take down those images across the Internet. Oh. Um, you know, we, it, I think most people believe whatever happens and goes out on the Internet is permanent. And that can be true in some cases, especially if that those images are downloaded and, and saved to a, a private hard drive. Or whatnot, but images that are posted publicly on on the internet, on different websites, social media sites, things like that, we have the ability to to take those down. We work regularly with internet service providers and domain hosts to take that uh, explicit content down. So if you think there's an image, even if you don't know where that image lives, if you think there might be an image of you out there, we can help. And it's missingkids.org/get-help-now. Wow. You know, and families of exploited children often feel like they're alone, you know, and they struggle and they're overwhelmed with these issues. And how do you tell parents to talk to their kids if they think their child has been exploited? Well, it's, it's a tough conversation for any parent. And so the National Center, we, we create great prevention education resources for kids to teach them how to make safe and smart decisions online. But we also have great resources for parents, including discussion guides that help them have those conversations and, and help them navigate those waters to make sure that the conversations that they're having with their children are not only successful, but they're ongoing as well, too. Because the conversation you have about online safety with your youngest child is a vastly different conversation with your, your teen about online safety. And so once a child gets online, which here in this country, the, the average age for a child to receive their first very own cell phone is just 10 years old. Yes. And you know they've already been on mom and dad's phone or brother and sister's tablet. And so as soon as a child is, is online is when you need to start having these conversations and, and teaching them how to make safe and smart decisions. What's unfortunate is the knowledge gap can oftentimes be so severe where parents don't know, you know, that much about the internet or, or even the child starts running circles around them. And that's why it's just so important to empower children to make safe and smart decision making, because it's not always going to be the parent that can be there to help rescue or save the kid. 
the child needs to be able to identify risky situations and learn how to avoid them. Well, I'll tell you, I'm a smart, educated woman, and I recently had someone reach out to me on Facebook, and I felt a little leery about it and, you know, down the primrose path, and then the shoe dropped with the, uh, help me buy a Bitcoin. I'm like, wait a mm-hmm. minute. <laughs> you know, I got duped. So if I got duped, these kids can be totally taken advantage of. You have Team Hope. Um, it's a volunteer program that connects families to others who've experienced crisis of a sexually exploited child. Uh, yes, Team Hope is a, a great group of, of individuals. It, it's parents of either missing or exploited children. It's a peer support group run through our family advocacy division. And they do all sorts of trainings and, and seminars and all sorts of great group activities together. But as I mentioned, it's a peer support group. And sometimes just that's just a call in the middle of the night from one parent to another. You know, we have parents in FAD who have been looking for their children for decades. And then you have new parents who are onboarded and they're partnered together and, and they help each other while they're going through these tough and, and terrible times. And I do want to sort of go back and just touch on the exploited issues just a bit more because we've seen a significant uptick in our exploited children's cases and reports at our cyber tip line. It's the, again, the mandatory reporting mechanism for Internet service providers for suspected child sexual abuse. So anytime there's child sexual abuse material, child pornography or any types of grooming, luring, online enticement, what have you happening on platforms, it's reported to us. We received 21.7 million reports last year. That's up 26% from the year before, and we're up 100% in a single category, online enticement. That's when an individual will try to groom and lure a child either to gain uh, sexually explicit images or abduct them from the home. And I say abduct them. However, if a child is groomed by one of these individuals and does leave the home on their own volition, it's not considered an abduction case. It's actually considered a runaway case because the child left the home on their own recognizance, even though they went right into the open arms of a child predator. And we know the media, law enforcement and the public have bias against, quote, runaway kids. They think it's out of, you know, these children are doing because they're misbehaving or whatnot. And we really need to change that attitude here in the United States because these children are uh, terribly susceptible not only children who are running away right into the open arms, but if they're running away to the streets, they become susceptible to, to sex traffickers and all types of abusers. Um, we've seen chatter on the dark web amongst these exploiters talking about how COVID is a great time to groom and lure children oh. because of the increased screen time that they're experiencing. And so there's even more opportunities to harm these kids. You know, the Internet's created life for the better in so many ways, but so many more ways to harm our children. So devious and sick these people are. I mean, it's just unbelievable how they can prey on your emotions and your love and a kind heart. It's just, and especially a child who's so vulnerable. It's completely understandable how a child could be lured out of the house with, you know, whatever they're telling them. They believe it. They want to believe it. They want to believe it. And and oftentimes, you know, some of these children are, are looking for that attention. They might not be getting that at home. And as you mentioned, you know, we see these scams happening you know, financial scams happening all the time to adults or these catfishing scams happening to adults all the time. So, of course, it can happen to children. Of course. Of course it can. And parents need to pay attention. I'm sorry, but, you know, pay attention not only in the mall, hold your kid's hand because it just takes a second, but also pay attention to what they're doing online because these people are out there and they're coming after your kid. Don't think it can't happen to you, right? Absolutely. And, 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 you know, COVID and the whole lockdown scenario has actually given a lot of parents a false sense of security. They look and they see their kid right there on the couch and they go, they're my, my child's at home. They're in a safe place. 
they don't always know who that child is talking to online. And that child has, you know, a cell phone with an HD camera that goes with them everywhere, from the bathroom to the bedroom to wherever. Um, and that's why parents need to really do just that, parent up about online safety, real world safety, and be a parent. Yeah, they have access to the world. I know we need to cut this short, so I just want to circle back to the Christy Luna case because at that time, there was no sex offender registry. And now we do have that because there were some really bad actors that lived in and around her at that time. So that does help with the sex offender registry, correct? It does. And, and with Adam's case, it was the same. There was no sex offender registry. There was a lot of bad guys floating in around that area that nobody had tabs on. And, and thankfully, because of cases like Adam's and like Christie's, you know, we now have the Adam Walsh Child Protection Act, which created a national sex offender registry. We work directly with the U.S. Marshals to help uh, track down non-compliant sex offenders. So those guys that abscond and and go off to another state or cut their bracelet off or what have you, uh, we help track those bad guys down and bring them back into compliance. Well, my bones are chilled. I so appreciate you spending time with us, Cal Walsh. And I want to give out the website again, missingkids.org and also 1-800-THE-LOST for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. You've got a center right here in Palm Beach Gardens. Thank you for joining us on Full Rigor. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.